The EMV Migration Forum says it's developing strategies to help merchants and issuers ensure they are able to make and meet the October EMV liability shift date for fraud that results from MagStripe transactions. To that end, the forum has developed a matrix designed to help issuers and merchants identify minimal requirements for chip deployment and acceptance. But how keen will merchants and issuers be to embrace this advice? Here, Randy Vanderhoof, executive director of the forum, discusses why the EMV Migration Forum decided to spearhead this initiative now and how likely this initiative is to catch on. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Randy, the liability shift date set by the card brands is, of course, looming. It takes effect in October for card issuers and merchants with physical point-of-sale terminals. Can you give us some perspective about how far along we are with the EMV migration to date? Sure, Tracy. So we are seeing tens of millions of cards moving into the market um, this year on top of uh, 100 million or so cards that uh, were in the market at the end of 2014. Our best estimates are that we're going to get to about 50% of the total market with probably a higher percentage of credit cards in the mix versus debit cards. But I think we are certainly well on our way, and the move on the card side um, is progressing very smoothly. And so on the merchant side, Randy, and I know this is something that you and I have talked about before, the merchants are a little bit further behind than, I guess, in their deployment of point-of-sale terminals relative to issuers issuing cards. Well, Tracy, as we all you know, know and have been talking about, the merchants have a much more complex ecosystem that has to evolve in order to enable for, for the EMV transactions to occur. So what many of them are struggling with is trying to update their point-of-sale systems and back-end systems and integrated software solutions to work in align with you know, the changes that are happening on the payment side. And so with them, they want to make sure that you know, when they make these changes that they don't break anything that already is working for them, that they still maintain all of their routing options, which they have been guaranteed under government regulations. And so they are probably and, and justifiably more cautious and taking a, a more measured view on the migration to EMV and are looking probably at the closer to the October liability shift date for when they feel that they're comfortable enough to actually activate and start accepting the EMV transactions. Now, that's not something that we can say is a blanket statement across every merchant group or even every merchant size because we're seeing you know, broad changes across the entire spectrum, but it's not evenly changed in terms of the, the rate in which the merchant readiness is occurring across the board. Sure, that makes sense, Randy. And so then let's go back to some of the initiatives that the EMV Migration Form has put into place. So you've announced this new matrix. What does the matrix actually aim to do, Randy? Yeah, the purpose of having the matrix out there is because EMV has lots of new options and capabilities that the market has never had to evaluate and make decisions on. And so what we're hearing is some of the concerns about the migration moving forward is that people still have questions about, well, what do we have to do to be compliant with EMV, and what other options can we do that are either going to support perhaps 
options that other stakeholders invoke, such as the type and, and features that are on the cards if you're a merchant, or the type of merchant acceptance options that are available if you're a card issuer. And so we needed to come up with a baseline set of requirements that everyone could understand so that they could at least be planning to meet what the minimum requirements are, whether they're an issuer or a merchant, and also understand how those minimum requirements play into all of the other options and choices that are out there so that they can make independent decisions about what extra capabilities they may want to build into their product either for future planning purposes, for additional risk management purposes. And so having a clearer understanding of a path forward takes out some uncertainty and will help some merchants get to the market faster because at least they know that they've met what are the minimum needs in order to be protected once the fraud liability shift happens. So Randy, then do you think that if merchants and issuers follow these steps, they can really make this October shift date? Well, there's no doubt that there's going to be a large number of them that are going to make the October liability shift date. I think what will happen as we get closer to the date will be the readiness for some of the other factors that go into the um, enablement of EMV, such as the um, the training and preparation work that goes into the retail stores in, in um, making the change. And for the issuing institutions, obviously, once the transactions start to occur, uh, they're going to have to be equipped to handle the customer service issues that will come up with people who aren't familiar with the technology or have questions about how it works or whether or not they're protected. And, and so there is both the technical shift to EMV, and then there is the operational shift to EMV. And so we're now in that technical shift phase, and we're in the planning of what the operational shift is going to look like uh, as we get closer to the liability shift date. Randy, something that I've been hearing about in the industry for the recent, I'd say the most recent past, probably the last several weeks, is that there could be some motivation on the merchant side to compel the card networks to push this October date back. How realistic is it that the October date is going to stick, or do you think that it could be extended by the card brands? There's, there's no one in the market today talking about moving the date, and there really is no reason to move the date. I mean, we've been working together as an industry on this timeline, and everyone has been working really hard to make the tough decisions to be ready. And we still have six months, which to some that may sound like a very short period of time, but as we've seen in previous six months and one year periods that a tremendous amount of work can be done and issues can be resolved in that time frame. So um, I think we are still on track and I think we still have the time that we need in order to get more cards into the market and more merchants uh, enabled for accepting them. But again, it's still going to be an independent business-by-business -business decision as to where they are in this migration path and what is right for their business and what are the risks associated with it if they choose to either delay or um, decide against you know, making that, uh, that change by the time the rest of the market moves. So Randy, I'd like to, to build on that discussion just a bit. A lot of smaller merchants have been reluctant to embrace this migration toward EMV. 
How do you see the forum working to convince them, or maybe that's not even a goal here, but if it were a goal, how could the forum help to convince some of these smaller merchants that the migration toward EMV is a good idea? Well, we feel that education really is the principal thing that has to happen. The, the surveys that we're hearing from merchants who say they're not aware of the EMV liability shift or aware of the, the requirements that have to change for them to, uh, to accept EMV chip cards is pretty disturbing. But it's not totally unexpected when you understand the scope and breadth of the U.S. market. Um, so what you know, the EMV Migration Forum and its members are doing is trying to build the resources and raise the level of awareness about what's happening and what's changing. And I think this requirements document is going to be a tremendous tool to provide those uh, organizations, particularly smaller issuers and smaller merchants who don't necessarily have access to the type of you know, information that uh, we take for granted to be able to, to have a reference that they can look at and say, okay, if I need to make a change, you know, what changes have to happen in order to uh, enable me to participate in this shift, at least at the minimum requirements level? And that can significantly reduce the lift and the, the time it will take uh, to make that change. And so what we're hoping and expecting is that more of the small to medium-sized merchants and issuers will be able to find that minimum requirements pass and be able to make that timeline of October rather than feel like it's just too much and requires too much um, advanced planning and, and, uh, and change because they're hearing that they have to take on many more uh, changes that perhaps are not absolutely necessary for them to, to support EMV. Right. That's an excellent point, Randy. And do you anticipate the forum initiating any collaboration or work with the card brands or even merchant acquirers to help get more buy-in for EMV from some of these smaller merchants? Yeah, that's happening already. We've worked with the Payment Security Task Force developing a series of podcasts that will help educate the ISOs and ISVs in their education so that they can then be better prepared to support their merchant customers on the, the migration. We will be um, coming out with a consumer-facing website that will provide clear, simple information and education about what is EMV and how to look for it and, and how it's going to work so that we can take away some of the questions and doing what we can in cooperation with the other industry parties to make sure that we're using the same terminology, the same uh, explanations and descriptions of the technology. So as each party does their own customer level education and awareness building, that we're building on the same messages, the same value propositions about protecting data and um, increasing security and enabling for future enhancements of payments that will then carry forward and rapidly get the market moving in a more coordinated and timely fashion. Randy, are there any concerns that at some point EMV will just become a non-issue? Do you think there's a chance that the initiative could be overshadowed by other innovations such as tokenization? 
Tracy, I think all of the attention seems to be and rightfully focused on EMV because it is the first and the biggest transition that's happening in the market, but it's certainly not the last. And what people fail to understand is that issuers and merchants are not putting all of their eggs in the EMV basket, but they're actually looking at payments in a whole new light now and looking at how they need to address not only the counterfeit card fraud associated with physical payments, but also the online world and even mobile channels and other alternative payment networks. And so um, there is a lot more going on in the market than just uh, upgrading the cards and the terminals to support chip transactions. This is really a, a fundamental change in security that's going to incorporate other changes beyond EMV, such as the advanced authentication technologies and options for stronger authentication on the online channel, certainly the tokenization that we've seen rolling out under the Apple Pay solution will probably continue to be perpetuated in other mobile solutions coming to market. And so we have this um, growing adoption of point-to-point -point encryption that's being generated through the acquirers and the terminal manufacturers to offer protection of the non-EMV data as well as the EMV data. So we're really in a phase right now where a lot of things are happening at once. And even though we tend to think only in terms of EMV as being one step, it's really part of a much bigger revolution that's taking place. And then Randy, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? Well, we're just happy that the EMV Migration Forum has continued to have the support of the industry stakeholders to work collaboratively together to address issues as they come up and find the creative solutions so that we can continue the momentum moving forward. And now that we have gone through what were many of the difficult technical decisions that needed to be made, it's really great to see the amount of uh, interest and effort being focused now on education and awareness of the actual implementation of EMV and what the future benefits will bring. And so we are firmly focused now on what the next six months will mean in terms of what the average consumer and the average merchant are going to see happening rather than just talking about it from kind of a, a, a technical perspective and, and a future perspective. I mean, people are seeing cards show up in their mail and are putting them in their wallets and more and more merchants are enabled for chip and we're just going to see that wave continuing to grow over the next six months. And when that happens, I think there's going to be a whole different discussion about you know, EMV and its value, and people are going to accept it and move on and start looking at what the next thing uh, that they can uh, use the technology for. Randy, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Very informative. Okay, thank you, Tracy. Again, we just heard from Randy Vanderhoof of the EMV Migration Forum. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.